oh man, oh man. And just like that, we are in the midst of another episode of Tell Your Mother Flipping Story. Now, here's the deal. You know, my number one objective is to make it clear two things. Number one, you got to tell your story. Number two, that your story is not only the essence, but it's the backbone. It has the lessons and the lessons that we just can't buy in a store because at the end of the day, we didn't come onto this planet to kind of sort of live. We came onto this planet to be able to pursue whatever it is that our hearts has as its deepest desires. What I love the most about this season is being in the midst of my own family, friends, and peers, people who I respect, who meet one of these two categories. Okay, so be clear. Number one, they've already made their own millions and millions of dollars. They've already done the damn thing in their own life. Or there's someone who I crazy respect because of something they've accomplished or what they have allowed themselves to do. Today, man, you're in for a treat because today I get to, I get to, I was going to say the word hang out, but I get to spend time with one of my buddies and one of my peers and someone who I respect, who's done the damn thing. They've done the damn thing in spite of dot, dot, dot. So get ready. Listen, you know the drill, pen and paper, get ready to take notes. And if not, you're taking mental notes. And if not, you're whipping out your phone, but one of the above, don't you dare listen to this man and not write down what he says, because I'll tell you one thing's for sure. Success always leaves clues. Donald! Listen, man, I'm so excited. You're here. Yeah, thank you for having me on here. Been highly anticipating sitting down with you, so I'm happy to be here. Yes, listen, I'll be excited that you're here too. Not only because, you know, when we get to talk offline and I go into the word story, there's always like a pause. You have a long, <laughs> hard pause and you're like, hmm, well, hmm. I'm, I know to make millions and millions of dollars, Tiffany, but you keep talking about this, <laughs> this story thing like it's equally as valuable. <laughs> and and what's so cool is that I get to walk into your story today. Now, I've really been excited about it because part of your, not just success, but part of you doing the damn thing and the, the money you've made, the life that you live today is true to my heart because you had a really black and white why behind you. When, you know, the moment that you started to tell me about why you started, and I know you've started a handful of businesses and you've made money, but I want to just kind of start with, what it's like to look at a family member, a situation in your life, something or someone that you love and say, you know what? I'm going to do the damn thing for them. I'm going to do the damn thing because of, I'm going to fight harder at this moment. And obviously, you know, for where you are today, when we start, right, we really never know what's on the other end of starting. But looking back, Can you walk me through that moment where you're looking at your family, you're looking at your dad in particular, and I'm kind of jumping the gun here because truthfully, when you told me that, I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, (laughs) (laughs) because it's a whole nother level of love and give me for, I guess we'll start. That's this, that's business number one, right? Well, it wasn't, you know, I'll certainly jump into that. So the, I guess the premise, my story had two premises. And the first is that, I went to like a pretty much all white, very Jewish uh, private school growing up, but my family was middle class. So I was on like scholarship and financial aid to be able to go there, but I was exposed to and interacted with on a daily basis, extreme riches, right? Eight, nine. So I think there's like 10 billionaire families at this small school. And so, yeah. And so from those experiences, I got a very early taste, kindergarten through 12th grade, as to what life could be like if you had a tremendous amount of money. That informed my mindset about a few things. One, what are the possibilities if you go outside of the traditional conveyor belt of a corporate career? Hold on, wait. I got to stop right there. I don't want anyone to miss that. So number one is what are the possibilities if you go outside of the norm? That is like money. That is money. That's what we say in our Do the Damn Thing Nation community. When we hear something, we're like, oh my gosh, that's money. It's so great because you'll see like 89-year-old women that be like, that's money. Because that's the (laughs) truth. What are the possibilities if you go outside of the norm of how people are making money? I'm going to write that down for myself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so so that was the first thing. And then the second thing was uh, my dad has always been a dreamer. 
he started off in the corporate world. Both my mom and dad were, they grew up in the projects and they got degrees and, and they did their damn thing for themselves. <laughs> but my mom and dad were corporate, my mom much more so than my dad. And so after my dad lost a pretty significant job when I was about 13 years old, there was, we started having some real struggle. And he was never really able to figure it out in between me being 13 and eventually starting this company, doing all kinds of random stuff, sales job, 100% commission, MLM stuff, all kinds of stuff. And my mom was a, a big time cheerleader at first, but eventually she sort of got tired of it and it got pretty tough. And so when I went into like graduating high school and then going to college, Wisconsin Madison, as an only child too, as a black only child, there was a lot of pressure, uh, particularly more so for my mom. Where my mm. dad was more so like, hey, whatever you want to do, just figure it out and, and do the right thing. And so I spent a few years in the corporate world, about eight. But whenever I had a given job, essentially the job was sort of like my side hustle. And whatever type of venture I was trying to work on would get first priority. And that that was a constant thing. Hmm. But I didn't understand that you didn't necessarily need a lot of capital to start businesses, at least certain companies. And there really isn't a magic bridge that some people can cross and I couldn't for some reason. And I sort of got smacked in the face with these realizations and really started to make real moves in the traditional businesses and those are the ones that work after joining up with a buddy of mine from high school that, you know, comes from a well-to-do family, he was part of a venture back startup called Rentobo. And so that was a software for landlords with rental property as well as like, you know, rental real estate brokers. And so during that experience, we were venture funded. So I didn't have to internally think about how am I going to have the money to start this? Got it. Got it. And then also he, you know, a tremendous amount of money is going to be waiting for him. And so he didn't think about if I'm going to work on a venture, what are going to be these types of roadblocks. So linking up with him, I was just able to like perform one task at a time, Mm. you know. And so he was the software guy, was like the sales and marketing guy responsible for user acquisition and stuff. So it's like, hey, write a blog post, boom. You know, add this element to the website, boom, make cold calls, boom. And so as a team, rather than treating it like some scary business venture, it was really more like a group project, right? And so completing a series of tasks, all of a sudden we had a company. All of a sudden we got our first user, right? Mm. And then, you know, one little step at a time, one little milestone at a time, we created something that was cool. And that company eventually got, we started that in 2012, that company eventually got acquired in uh, 2016. And so all of that premise, right? The premise of finally being able to contribute and, and be a significant part of a real company, a truly entrepreneurial sort of venture, it was a snap in the face. It was my uh, aha, like, yo, it really is. So I finally uh, stumbled across, I was on Reddit, looking into some new stuff because, you know, I'm all over the place. I discovered <laughs> Rohan. I discovered Rohan Gilk's, you know, infamous post on how to start a cleaning company. Yes, Rohan, my buddy. Yeah, and so that was uh, mid 2013. So I was one of the OGs of uh, that sort of wave of uh, cleaning business company. But you know, he spelled the whole thing out A to Z, and you know, free. I didn't have to buy a course or any of that. So three weeks after discovering that, I you know really blazed through it. Three weeks later, I had the website up and going. And a few months later, we started taking cleaning jobs. And so also within that, I saw that as the opportunity for my dad and I. One, because it was a simple business and, you know, he's not like the craziest tech savvy guy. Two, it was something that was local to Chicago. So Mm. my dad could, you know, sort of exist in his market within Chicago, which he knows very well. And then operationally, he's very good at managing you know, the cleaners and, and that type of stuff. 
So I knew he would be a great fit for operation. And then I would manage anything having to do with tech. And then we shared other responsibilities. And so it was fantastic. I mean, you know, a lot of, I think, dad and son combos can have uh, some sort of weird dynamic. But my dad and I are basically like two brothers. Um, mm. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't have to mince words when there was something that really needed to be said. We were just able to be direct with each other. And I think as co-founders in a company, that's extremely important. When you think back over the last couple of years, just because there is when we're in it, right? So like I was in it for 10 years, let's say, and then you're in it and you're not necessarily, but you're definitely over here. Then you're over here. Then you're over here. Right. And then you're in all these different places, but then you have a period after that where it's like reflection period where you look back. And then you do either self-evaluation, a self-checkout, whatever. It's kind of like when I got to seven figures, you know, I thought I was like the worst. I thought I was at the bottom of the barrel. I don't think I've ever told you this, but when I got into this industry, I thought everybody had gotten to seven figures in business. Because in my mind, you kind of start whatever business you're doing, you work hard, and then eventually it grows. It's kind of like what you said, where you're doing it over and over again, it grows. Here I am doing a couple million dollars. And in my mind, I am the worst. I am the bottom of the barrel. I had no clue. I had no clue whatsoever that I was in the top 5% of all business owners. And I was like, wait, what? Are you you kidding me? And that's actually a big thing. One thing that I say to a lot of people that I felt lucky about is that whatever you set your baseline at, is extremely important. It may be as important as your level of ambition in general, right? For sure. Totally. You set a, right. So like if you, if you already are at multiple seven figures and you feel like you're just getting started as opposed to the person that completes in at 500 grand or 200 grand, that's where your efforts are going to differ. Mm-hmm. For sure. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Let me ask you this. So like, at what point did you look back and did you say, okay, man, how did I do that? And what was lesson number one? So if you had to say like looking over your different businesses, thinking about the moments of you going, this is scary, but I'm going to, I'm going to make this jump. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to go do this thing. Is there one thing that you say, I put this in my pocket? Like, this is what I use. This is my step one. I think there was a disconnect between what it actually takes to start a company versus what I thought it took to start a company. But what I was scared of And wait, was, wait, do you mean that you weren't as overwhelmed going in? Kind right, of a thing? I, I would never overwhelm starting a company. Bingo. Okay. So the, let me, not to cut you off, but I want to make yeah. sure this is clear because I think this goes right back to what you said before about I just kept doing a bunch of tasks. Yeah. Because, I kept doing a bunch of tasks. Because the thing that was scary for me was not, you know, some big, bad business. It was having some, you know, comfortable six-figure job where I'm just comfortable enough to not do anything, but I don't like it that much. And I don't have control. I, I only really have one goal, and that's to have control of my time, complete control of my time, as well as enough money to enjoy it. You know, I think priority can shift, like, you know, I'm starting to want to do more philanthropic type stuff. But in terms of the overall end goal, it's real simple. Control of my time and enough money to enjoy it. So I would- Control of my time. Hold on. I I think this is a a moment of silence. Control of my time and enough money to enjoy it. Let me just be clear for anybody who's listening right now. That is literally why we all go into business. I want everyone to be clear. For anyone who's like, no, I'm going into business to help the world, you're a non-for-profit. That's a non-for-profit. That's something else. That's totally different. Now, I want to be clear as I make a pause here, because it doesn't mean, he said the word philanthropic. It doesn't mean that we're not great people. It does not mean that we don't want to help people. It does not mean that we don't want to serve and, and support and be there and give money and give time and give knowledge. But be clear. He made it stupidly simple. The first person you got to take care of is you. At 100%, not at 97%. 97% might as well be zero. It's 100%. I need to have more time and I need to have the money to enjoy because here's the truth. If you have time 
too much time, but you don't have enough money to enjoy it, you don't have time. You're, yeah. you're sitting in the passenger seat of someone else's car. Yeah. You're not in control. Yeah. And all of that sucks. Yeah, there's plenty <laughs> of homeless people with a tremendous amount of time. For sure. But yeah, so, so that was the premise. I was absolutely terrified of not having any control of my life. So that was the business thing with like, this is the only, this is my only option. Yeah. When I did have a six figure job, I would tear myself up to sleep, having to go to work the next day. That's how intense it was for me. And I actually get so emotional thinking about it now. That's how intense it was for me. It had to happen. And it didn't even necessarily, I don't even necessarily care that much about entrepreneurship. I just cared about the ventures as a vehicle to do to you know achieve my end goal right and yeah that's it that's that's the crux of all of it <laughs> if you had to say tiffany this is the number one skill that every person who's trying to make money has to have i'm trying to get more freedom more time in my life what skill do i have to acquire the one skill you have to acquire is the willingness to take action and i do i do believe that is a skill there are people that bend or because t- you know there there does need to be some research involved. You have to make sure that you're not doing things that are going to completely screw you over. But the majority of people, I actually think the majority of people consider some type of business at some point. But the majority of people also will figure out reasons why they can't do it, either through too much analysis, analysis paralysis, or just you know some type of self. Uh, confident stuff, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so really, the only thing that I see as the common thread among people that are doing well versus who aren't even in business are the people that took action. Because I've seen many of what I would, I can't like say anything bad, but you see a lot of people that aren't, they don't seem that smart, but they're very successful. But they're they not that moving. smart. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's because they're not that smart. Yeah, That's I, I, why. I didn't, I'll say I didn't really it. want to say it like that. Yeah, You don't want to say it. Listen, yo, listen, <laughs> let's just come through with the truth. It's because they're not that smart. It's not making money. You know, I have a saying uh, here. It's like, Mike, making money is hard. We just make it difficult. Yeah. Making money is actually so easy. Uh, you know, and the truth is that the older I get and the more seasoned I get as to what's possible, and I say resources, not necessarily the more money I make, I'm like, man, it's so easy to make money. And here's like an example. Anybody can create a $9 product. Anybody can create a $100 service. And Mm. the truth of the matter is that online, if I ask enough people to buy my $9 product, I'm going to make money. With my $100 item, if I make enough, if I ask enough people to buy my $100 product, somebody's going to buy it. And the truth of the matter is that It's like, there are always people outside, bad economy, good economy, pandemic, no pandemic. And they all, they got money in their pockets. The the money hasn't left the planet. It's not gone. It's just sitting in someone's account. And the truth of the matter is that we have to be willing to go and knock on the door, to go and ask the question, to go and get it. And true to what you said before, it's literally the willingness in between. Like I made my money by knocking on 45 doors every single day. And I didn't need to be smart. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't need to be smart. I just needed to go, hi, how you doing? And I needed to brush my teeth and, and have my hair combed kind of a thing. I'm being serious. Uh Those are all things in my control, but I did that to get to six figures. And then I knocked on doors and taught other people to knock on doors. And that's how I got to seven figures. And when there was a lot of technology and stuff, sure. We could, we could say, man, I don't, I don't have that learning. I don't have that knowledge or I don't know how to use technology and all this stuff, but everybody knows how to use a phone. Everybody knows how to talk. Mm-hmm. And even in today's world, I mean, would you agree with me that like literally anybody could get to at least a hundred thousand dollars by using their cell phone and talking to people? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, and then also eliminating whatever type of pride and ego might get in the way. So, you know, like you, you're killing it in terms of, having the wherewithal and the willingness to do enough. Most people aren't going to do that. I did cold call and sales job for years, you know, where at the most intense job, $300 a day, $300 a day. And, and yeah, I mean, when it came to even, you know, 
to this day, when I think about marketing any company, the only real job I have to do is effectively expose what I'm offering to as many people as possible in a Mm. way that makes sense. It's just literally the business of exposing my offer. And, you know, the ones that make sense will take me up on it. And the ones that don't will move on. So if you were going to start over today, all over getting your life and and make some money, and you were going to get to half a million dollars, what business would you start? And, or it maybe you wouldn't start a business. What hustle? How would you get to half a million dollars? In profit or revenue? Mm. Ooh, (laughs) see, see, you know what? You shouldn't ask that question. Now I'm going to ask you each. So first give me revenue. Yes. (laughs) Wow. With my current knowledge? Ooh, that's tough. You ask, you're, you're, you're really trying to drill down into this. You know why? Because you know how to make money. All right, so let's do it. So if you, let me give you the first scenario. If you had to, in today's market right now, pandemic, understanding that we still have Trump as a president, knowing that Black Lives Now Matter, okay, and all things in between, today at this moment, if you had to go to zero, that means you can't use your bank account, mm-hmm. can't use a credit card, but you were going to start over all over again. And you had maybe a couple hundred dollars. Maybe you have $500 to your name. To what eat. business would you start? <laughs> Actually, I'll probably consider doing a painting company. Because I, I had two different painting companies before. And door knocking is actually an effective way to get some clients, especially for exterior and maybe interior work. So you go door knock, I think the, the numbers are if you do 20 houses an hour, by the end of the day, you should have three or four leads. Mm. And if you do that three or four days in a week, you're going to land one or two jobs. And the average painting job is roughly, for us, it was about $2,400. And then our growth margin on that was around 40%. So every week I'm going to be making, yeah, every week I'm making $1,000 on about $2,400 in revenue. And monthly, I'm already at six figures in revenue. Bingo. So that's a six annually, I'm at six, annually, I'm at six figures in revenue. And so with that, now you just start to utilize the resources to, if, if you really want to be cheap about it, hire some college students to join up. Pay them $10 for every lead and you know, $50 to $100 for each lead that closes. There's going to be some hustlers that are willing to do that. I would have done that happily. And now you're able to leverage. And you, know, you get... Uh, 10 times that production that you had yourself. And now that's a a seven figure company and you're probably profiting around 200,000 on that. You know what? You just spelled out literally how I got to seven figures. I'm loving that. Like literally, I wish I had like a shot of bourbon. I'm like, I I just literally, it's like talking to, it's like talking to me. Like I'm in love with this book. Like I'm like, I almost put my foot up. I was like, well, shit, this is great. Now, like, (laughs) I want everyone, here's what's so awesome about what you just did. <laughs> you ran through the math. You're, he's, you are on point. I teach this math all the time. Out of every 20 leads, one to two of them, uh, uh, that's not true. After every 20 doors, one to two will become a lead. And respectively, one to two out of your five leads will close. Mm-hmm. And if you take your product to somewhere between $2,500 and $5,500, that is literally how you get to six figures. All you have to do is make sure you knock on 20 doors. Like, that's it. It's really not that part. The other part of it is what I love is how he just told you how to scale that to seven figures. Now, here's what he did, which is why exactly why I wanted you to be on the show and to share and talk with me. Because you just laid out how to get to seven figures without a online funnel. Yeah. That is the core of the webinar that I teach, you know, and I used to teach it before the pandemic and I kind of tucked it away and I was just thinking to myself, I really have to put it back out in the market because every person in the world makes it seem like we build this one funnel, then we fan ourselves till forever. Right. And then we're yeah. off literally and we're, we're in a flipping four hour work week. And that's not the truth. That's not how it works. There's a yeah. lot of other pieces, but an average person, an average family, an average couple, Anybody who's over 18, respectively, can literally build a seven-figure business based on what Donald just laid out for you. You know, and this is 
this, I really want people to pay attention to this. The majority of business owners are not running sexy businesses that you see online with funnels. I never built, to this day, I've only had maybe a couple funnels, but of all the businesses that I sold and stuff, I've never had an online funnel, not one time. And the majority of business owners are doing this simple stuff. They're like the grunt that you see in overall that you don't pay much attention to, but he's got a couple million in the bank because he's been grinding it out with no ego, with nothing going on for like 30 years. And another big thing, this is the more important thing. A lot of online entrepreneurs which is, and gurus, which I freaking hate, they say 97% of businesses fail. 99. This is the one thing that puts me in the top 1% of business owners simply because I made it. The Small Business Association Administration, the SBA, .gov, if you go to right now, and you look up small business statistics, 50% of all incorporated companies last at least five years. And 30% of every single incorporated company lasts at least 15 years or more. So if you take a three out of 10 chance of starting a business that's going to last at least 15 years, that is like a World Series batting average. You have a really good shot at it. You just got to do the dang thing. I, I can't stop saying it now. <laughs> oh, we're going to have to get you a shirt, man. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. You know, I knew that we were in for a treat, but I had zero clue. You were literally just going to walk right into my heart. You're literally like, I'm literally like, oh, my gosh. Did you hear what he just said? Did you hear it? Without a funnel? Yes. The truth of the matter is that the math will never lie. And every time people ask me this question, I'm like, listen, guys, I'm still black, (laughs) period. And I'm still a black woman in this country. And the truth is that if me, black woman, can do it, and I'm not, I don't have any of the attributes or things that people would say, oh, but she has certain type of hair, certain type of color skin, she's lighter, da, 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 all the things that we hear, even though people don't want to talk about it, but it's the truth. Mm-hmm. I don't have any of those things. And the, the reality of the situation is that I didn't build a seven-figure business because I invented something or I write code. Donald didn't write a, build a seven-figure business because he invented code. He literally just kept doing the same thing every day, task by task, little by little. You know, me reflecting and looking back, which is why I asked you that question before, is one day, like 2000 and maybe 16 or 17, I was like, what? I built a seven-figure business and that's a big thing. Like, I was like, really? But I was more like, you guys haven't been, how long have you been in business? You only made $52,000. What? It was like, when I started, that's actually why I started teaching. Because in 2015, when I sold my company, I was not going to be in this industry. I actually was going to, was I started consulting for really large companies mm-hmm. and just think of me consulting at a large cont- uh, retainer and that's it. And mm-hmm. I was on to the next chapter of my life. But then I started getting asked to speak and I would show up to these really great events that I didn't know anybody. I'd never heard of the coaching industry. I'd never hired a coach. I didn't know about this stuff. And the only people that I knew, because... Xerox and stuff, they use like these, like, you know, those tech companies, they use like actually Fortune 500 companies. Let me call them all out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All of these Fortune 500 companies, they use all these BS consultants that have never actually ran or grown a business before. Yeah. I, you know, (laughs) I I, got to chime in on this. So I, about, I don't know, three, four years ago, I asked a friend of mine who's like a high-paid consultant at like Deloitte or one of the big ones, KPMG or something. Okay. And I was like, yeah, I'm considering doing some... Actually, I've talked at this point, because a lot of my friends, again, that I grew up to, went to school with, they went to top school, they get the MBA, and they're either lawyers or, you know, consultants. Yeah. And all of them are like, consulting is extremely difficult. You really need to like, you know, really consider all kinds of stuff before you consider this industry. It's so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. And the reality is that consulting, one, is a complete broad spectrum, right? So much. The only the only qualification you need to ever consult for someone else is to have 
a little bit more knowledge about whatever subject you're looking to consult on than the person you're looking to consult. It doesn't have to be this. It just needs to be a bit more knowledge. No. And that's only, you know. That's exactly right. And so you're almost, and so I think what he's highlighting here is the fact that literally almost anyone can start a consulting business. And th- that's the truth. You know what? I, that's okay. I'll say, it. I don't, I don't mind. You know, I'm already, <laughs> I'm already, I, I'm already labeled. So it's yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm already in there. So anybody can start a consulting business and anybody can consult other people. And what's true for me is that you just spoke to something clear. I had always only seen these BS kind of BS, let me repeat the word, consultants who actually had never run a business, built a team or any of the above. So I didn't know that there was something called the coaching industry. I walk into 2015, I learned there's a coaching industry. I want to throw up as I learn more and more about it, but I don't learn about it up close. I learn about it from books and I start reading people's ideas around how to start a business. And fast forward, it wasn't until I went to a really large conference and I won't, I won't say the name, but they asked me to come and sponsor because I had built a seven figure business. My business partners were Xerox and HP and things like that. And then I get to this place and it's so real for me because I think in my mind, I'm walking into a room with all of these big business owners because they've been in business for 10 years, 15, 20 years, da, 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 and yeah. I'm going to be like amongst these peers. And I walk into this room and there's literally like a thousand people here. And as a sponsor, I got on stage. I spoke to these people. I, I speak. I get off of stage and Donald, there's literally like 200 people waiting to talk to me. Wow. And I'm like, why are these people all waiting to talk? Like, I'm a little bit, because I didn't offer anything. I don't, I'm not selling anything specifically. And it didn't say, come talk to me. You know, it wasn't anyhow, fast forward, I'm being stalked in the bathroom and they're asking me entry level questions. And the average question was like so elementary. And I'm like, but haven't you been in business for eight years, nine years, 15 sure. years? Sure. And I started digging to the stats and I'm like, wait a second, you guys can be in business for eight years and only make 50,000. Oh my gosh. Like yeah. I was like, someone help me. Not because $50,000 is something to be ashamed of. It's because I know the reality of the game. You cannot pay bills on that. You cannot have a family on that. You, well, you, well, where, where are you located? Well, so you're in I'm LA in, now, but I'm in Los Angeles. I'm in the heart of Los Angeles, not too far from Beverly Hills, which means that fifty thousand dollars <laughs> you couldn't do that here. You That's you can't do that where budget. you live either. No, you, not really. No, not really. You can't do that at all. Listen, Chicago's market is not that far from LA. It, it's not, but there's a much wider range of <laughs> like there's a, if I'm in a crappy area, yeah, I can figure it out. Uh, but I don't want to. <laughs> but, you know, a- another thing, too, again, I think it comes down to, to complacency, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these people that are making a certain amount, they don't even go to conferences because they don't care. They're like, oh, I'm just going to settle in and do my thing. And and, and then they're out. also going to, half the time, they also complain along the way. Yeah. That about what they don't have, about what's not working, about this hurts, that hurts. And, you know, and, and, you know, for me, tell me if it's different for you, but for me, it's like the only reason why I kept building my businesses is so that I could have more freedom and time mm-hmm. and so that I could get out of the pains I was in. And it, it may have been emotionally pain. Some of it was watching my family. And I'm sure you have that experience too, watching your parents, people you love, they're in pain. You're like, okay, if I make a little bit more money, I can help. I can, right. I can shine some light. I can give back. I can do these things. And that became the way for me. Do, did you have a why, an emotional why that carried you anywhere? Was there anything inside of you? I know this is like that woo touchy shit, but you can uh, do it. I promise. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll jump in. Did I have an emotional why? I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it was basically what I said. I want control of my time. That was enough to make me very emotional. I didn't like the premise of, I might get a little bit deep here. Here we go. Uh, I'm sitting back in my chair. Do it. I'm ready for you. The way that I think about this is that if you're in a job, you don't like, but you're there so that you can essentially eat and live and sustain yourself, it's like modern day slavery. I honestly feel like it's nowhere near as intense, but like modern day slavery. I literally 
if I pissed off the wrong person at the wrong time, I can't eat. I can't feed myself. I might not have shelter, right? Especially if I didn't have anything, any like family and stuff to fall back on. And so being in that position, especially, you know, in some cases, I didn't like my boss. It's like indentured servitude. You know, I, I think there's a lot of people that, well, the majority of people will sort of have this irritating thing that irritates them, but they allow their comfort to override that nagging thing of unfulfillment. You know what's so cool about what you just said? Let me show you how it breaks down in our world because we teach. And let me tell everyone this. If you ever, as you know, for me, everything results to story. And story allows for you to find your perfect people, allows for you to build your circle, allows for you to vibe with the right peers. It allows for you to to do just about everything. As you listen to Donald, I'm sure for those of you who listen or have followed, you've been with me, you almost feel like you're listening to the male version of me, which is so cool (laughs) because it is, it's actually very interesting because he said something that translates to this. You devalue yourself. Like you want to live a certain way. You want to, you want to, you want to stand up for yourself. You want to call out people when they do things wrong to you. You want to say, no, you you can't talk to me like that because I'm a human or I'm this or I'm that or whatever it might be. But what you end up doing is you end up living a life where you're constantly sucking it up. You're constantly taking it. And yes, you now have money to pay for the house and to pay for a car. Sure. You have money to do such and such, but do you really have money? Because if you, if you can pay for this and pay for this, but it's not freedom and you're not truly free for, in all sectors. Yeah. Okay. So freedom of time is what he said, but then freedom to enjoy it. That means spiritually, physically, mentally. It's really different when you can say to yourself, you know what? I'm not going to let you talk to me like that. Period. Right. Yeah. And, and you can control all the decisions and actions you need to take afterwards without being hindered, without being overwhelmed, without feeling like that person is overtaking you. Like literally and truly, all of that. So vital. So crazy vital. Yes, Donald. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just, I fully agree with that. I do also believe that entrepreneurship just isn't for everyone. I feel that there are people that it's better for them to be in a situation where they're more structured or people telling them what to do. And they take genuine comfort in that. And there are people that genuinely like their jobs. And, but I think probably for the majority of people that are actually listening to this show and this type of show, probably have something nagging at them. And there's that level of unfulfillment at minimal or straight up miserableness at, you know, at maximum. And so in that case, the only message that I ever want to convey ever is that one, this stuff is not a pipe dream. Like it's a, a very awesome position to be in. It is, you know, my wildest dreams from when I was 2012 is how I live my life now, right? But it's also nowhere near as difficult as, you know, I guess multiplied by the level of satisfaction I have now. Like people think of things like, man, I would be 10 times happier if I made two times the amount of money. But it seems like it's going to be 20 times as hard. Well, it's not. It's not. It literally takes the same amount of energy and effort. It's the consistency that's only the difference. It's not more effort and energy. It's kind of like, you know, I said to someone the other day in this lifetime, I know what it's like to get to a million dollars, right? Like I know what that's like. And whether I went to zero tomorrow or not, I know what it's like to be at a million and I know how to get back to a million, right? But -hmm. at the end of the day, I also say to myself, man, my heart is now focused on what is it like to be at a billion dollars? And you know, at every level, because I've never been there before, but it starts with everything that we want literally starts with what we allow ourselves to believe and think and breathe in and breathe out. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we say, well, I'm going to focus on the whole picture at once and then think of overwhelm. It's really not. It's actually, it's like having a simple list of tactics at mm-hmm. first because mm-hmm. tactics gets you to hustle. 
So it's like very specific, repetitive things that you do until you can see yourself get to the next level. So like if you're, let's say you were building a business and you're like, I'm doing a lot of labor by myself. Great. So now, now you have the money to hire three more people. Awesome. At that point, that's when you look up and you start to evaluate and go, great. Yeah. Yeah. Do I need strategy? Same thing like money. Let's say right now the person, if you're out there and you're like, okay, I have $0. I only have $500 coming in my account right now. Great. Well, then you do tactics over and over and over again until you look up and now you're at $8,000 a month, $10,000 a month. And then you stop and you go, how do I become more strategic around this? You know, like, how do I, then you do that. You don't, you don't need to do it at the beginning. You literally just need to do the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And I, I fully agree. And Actually, the way that I actually ended up approaching this was when we started the cleaning company. Because remember, I uh, joined Ventobo in 2012. I didn't have any money yet, right? I spent the first 18 months with that company actually uh, playing online poker and sports betting to sustain myself because we took in zero salary. We sold in 2016, but that's a four-year gap, right? Yeah. the cleaning company was 2013. So when we started that, my initial goal was to get to $3,000 a month in profit for each. And so once we hit that, didn't take that long. I think it was seven, eight months then. Once we hit that, it's like, okay, let's focus on the next goal. Let's focus on the next goal. And so Vicky Virtual, my cost center company, that was the first business where I'm like, well, this needs to be a multiple six-figure company at least. But it was a, a, a building block. So, you know, it was one step at a time and literally companion maids was established as something to get my footing. And then Vicky Virtual was something to create a bit more significant. That was literally the part of purpose of me launching those companies. So I want to, man, I got to tell you, I literally cannot even begin to tell you how excited I am that we've been able to spend this time. I'm like, holy mother of Johnson, this has been (laughs) amazing. So I want you to walk me through like five steps. If you can, for the person who's going, okay, Donald, I hear you, Tiffany, flipping A, I hear you again. Shit, I need to do something. I hear you. Can you put it into five steps, five simple steps where you say, listen, man, first go do this. Second, go do that. Give it to me. A lot of people, as I'm sure you know, a lot of people just ask, well, how do I get going in my business? And so the first thing that I ask them is, what are your current resources? Like, how much time do you have? How much money do you have? So do, like, I guess, sort of an inventory of that, right? How much time can you set aside for this? And how much money can you set aside for this comfortably so that, because I actually, I truly don't believe entrepreneurship is that risky unless you make it risky on yourself. Again, 50% make it at least five years. And by the way, a good portion of that 50% that don't make it five years, it's not because they didn't have enough revenue. Sometimes it's a partner split and, totally. and those types of deals. Like Rentobo, we got acquired after four years for seven figures and then they they tore apart the company. So that company didn't make it five years. So as far as that statistic, it failed within five years, but it was a success for us. Right, for sure. Okay, so first step is take inventory of time and resources. Uh, The second step is zero in on businesses that make sense that already exist that match up with the amount of time and or resources you have. Boom! You know, and, you know, a a guideline for that step is don't, unless you have tremendous, like a ridiculous amount of expert knowledge in that specific industry and you know everything, and therefore you can be confidently opportunistic, do not create your own idea. Just Insert yourself into something that already exists and beat the people within that market. You don't have to beat all of them. You just have to beat some of them. And just like you have some coworker at your job that sucks, probably multiple coworkers that are incompetent and aren't very good, that's how it is in every single business industry that exists. There are operators that aren't very good. You don't know it because you're not in the industry yet, but you'll see it. And so they're failing on one or two things. One, 
the customer service truck or the service slash product truck. So your only job is to come in and show why you're better either for your customer service or for your product slash service. So if you enter even competitive markets, uh, you know, I think that's a much smarter move than creating your own market. Okay, so that's two. Step three would be taking some level of action. You have to get started. What I have been talking about recently in sort of my like motivational videos is the low information, high output diet. And so essentially the premise of that is you take in the minimum amount of information that gives you the facility to take action, and then you immediately start taking action. These consultants that Tiffany was talking about before that are ridiculous and haven't started a company before, and they go to these incredible MBA programs, what do they learn at Harvard Business School? They literally just go in the business courses, they just go, like you learn your jargon, your terms and all that with half of us actual business owners don't even know. But then they just sit through case studies of people that actually did the damn thing and started a company. Like that's the entire class. Case study, case study, case study, case study, over and over again. And it's like, okay, based off of this case study, you know, put together this sample project. That's it. And then when they start off at these entry level and they're interning in the summers and stuff, all they're doing is watching people that actually did it. They're watching those examples and they're starting to get the experience. And then when they're finally good enough to actually help, it's because they had enough actual experience. The school part didn't do anything. Just that maybe, you know, the networking and... and right. And yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, the only way to really be effective is to start getting in and getting experience. So the point is, you're taking the minimum amount of, like, sort of scholastic literary information, and then you start to take action and start to do the steps. Because as you do the steps, you learn a tremendous amount as a consequence of doing things. And so you start to be able to take the, in, the new information you're taking in in the proper context. And get better and get stronger. Yep. And you keep building the muscle. Yes. And it keeps going. I love this. All right. So and, we and got then, down number three. That's three. And then in that situation, also, you'll never have analysis paralysis because you'll know what information makes sense and what information is bullshit. Right? Mm-hmm. Completely. Four is, you know, as you're putting things together, you need to have some type of vision or goal that you're going to stick to, you know. And I guess the only guideline for this is most people, they overestimate what they can accomplish in a year and they underestimate what they can do in 10. And so, you know, maybe make your one-year goal reasonable, but understand, just like we've been saying, consistency and continue to to do what you're doing the compound effect will kick in in years two, three, four. And that compound effect creates exponential growth. And, you know, like that's where people's wildest dreams are realized. So set that goal, stick to it. You can adjust it as, as, as it goes, as you go along, whatever. But you have to set a goal. It has to be clear. It has to be something that isn't fickle. And it had to be something that excites you and motivates you to continue going. And it doesn't have to be financial. It could be, you know, situational. I need this business to take me to the point where I can now be in this new situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so five. Five is real. I guess five would be is realizing that the toughest battle you're going to have as you continue to move forward, it's just a battle within yourself. Like Tiffany said earlier, you know, these things don't have to be very difficult. It's just that us humans, the folly of humans is that we always overcomplicate things. So, you know, just whenever you're in a situation where there's something that is small, that isn't a macro problem, but you turn it into like this big thing, that consumes your day or your week or discourages you from moving forward, whatever you can do to put yourself in the right freaking mindset to wash that away, mm-hmm. that is where you will win. And that is where you will put yourself in real position to create success. The stuff that happens 
in terms of how am I going to do this world of strategy, blah, blah, blah. That will eventually get figured out as you continue to take action. It's an inevitability. But the stuff that bogs you down, the only thing that will ever take you out is those random things that bog you down and discourage you. So when we had certain things happen to us, especially in the cleaning business, you know, all kinds of stuff like cleaners would go us. Our very first cleaning that we ever set up for the company, the team didn't show up. Girls all acting all excited. Oh my God, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, it didn't show up. Uh, so we had to cancel that. And then we had this great team for like like 10 cleaning. Now, like, okay, I can start to count on these guys. And then they go through. Mm-hmm. So now that stuff didn't matter. But in the moment, it was like, man, it could make or break me. So whatever you got to do, even if you have to shut yourself off and be a robot, just freaking keep going. Okay. Aha. You've heard it. The Donald Spin. Dun, 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 dun. All right. So, man, this has been good. This has been so good. I cannot even begin to tell you how grateful I am. I am. Wasn't Likewise. he good? Yes. Wasn't he good? Didn't you just go, oh. So, here's the thing. I absolutely want to make sure that you head to the show notes because you want to make sure that you can dial into Donald. I mean, obviously you can stalk him through me because he's my buddy, but um, at the end of the day, we're going to make sure that we include for you all of the how, how do you go and stalk him? What's so cool about this is that literally he gave you and I both a roadmap because at the end of the day, success leaves clues. And what would be crazy is for you to not take something and implement today because the the faster you implement, the faster we start to see a result. You don't have to implement everything. You just have to look and run for just one. Donald, trust me when I say that I am going to have you here again. So I just want you to be ready because... <laughs> yes, I'm definitely going to have you here again. I am super grateful. And we're going to say, dun, 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 you have heard and walked through a whole nother episode of how to tell your mother flipping story, your mother flipping story. And you know, and it's truth is that it's not really about telling your story. It's about your willingness to own your story, own the lessons from it, and then teach it. Because it's the lessons that allow the planet to run. It's the lessons that I'm hunting for because I can't buy this shit in the store. And then more importantly, it's the lessons that literally allow each and every one of us to go further faster and to create a bigger impact. Donald, you're amazing. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Man, have I told you how glad I am that you're here? Like, real talk. Have I flipping told you how glad I am that you are here? You have listened. This is the part of the show where I say, let's go find us, go follow us, go stalk us. But just make sure that we're connected. Head to do the damn thing.tv, or just go hang out on tiffanylargy.com. If we are not friends on Facebook, if you have not liked our Instagram page, go do that because you're going to want to see what we're doing, how we're doing, and how we're doing the damn thing daily.